What a mighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Thank the Lord. God's good to us. Let me read a, a verse of scripture, Isaiah 1 and 18. Good to see everyone here today. Isaiah 1 and 18, the Lord says, Come now and let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as, or be as white as snow. And though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. In John 3 and 7, the Lord said this to the man he was speaking with. And God came to him, Nicodemus, secretly at night, wanted to find out some spiritual things. And the Lord said, Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. Today we'll continue in our lesson. That's the third lesson in it. And uh, we've talked about the big story that God started with creation. How he had a divine plan. And we're part of that. Man was part of that divine plan. He created us in his image and gave us a, a free will. The ability to make choices to to worship him or not. And he knew that we could choose the other, but he still made us anyway. And then in our lesson after that, we realized that Adam and Eve made a choice, and a choice that brought bondage onto the entire world. And that uh, that seemed so terrible, but God made a way out of that. He had a plan, a lamb that would be slain before the foundation of the world. So we see parts of a story, creation, man, choices, Things gone wrong. Hope. But the thing is, is we have to apply it. Redemption has been made available. That's what we want to talk about today, that there is a solution. It's not something that's out of reach. In this world today, there's some things we think, man, if I just had $50,000, everything would be all right. But that's unreachable. It's not available to me unless I want to go in debt you know take a loan or something I just don't have it or you know if there was a cure but uh, sometimes it, you know they'll say well there's no cure for this it's not available but let me tell you there is a cure for sin there is a cure for this curse that came on the world there is a cure today redemption has been made available in that uh, we need to see the necessity of receiving the redemption that Calvary offers Let's pray together. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for providing a way out. Thank you, God, for saving us when we weren't worthy, so lost. God, I thank you for your love and mercy on us today. Help us to receive this word today, to remember it, to be reminded, to be stirred toward your salvation once again. Lord, we ask it in Jesus' name, and everyone said amen. Give him another hand clap and a shout of praise before you're seated this morning. Hallelujah. Lift your voice to him. Hallelujah. God, we praise you in this house. We praise you in this house today. You can be seated. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord. Thankful for Calvary today. We must see the necessity of receiving the redemption that Calvary offers. This narrative takes place on the day that Jesus went to the cross. The blow pummeled his back and he fell to the rock-strewn path only to be roused by the jeers of the soldiers. 
He shook his head and pushed to his feet, the blood and sweat stinging his eyes. He hadn't been whipped like the silent stranger behind him that the crowds were so obsessed with. But the soldiers had still taken their usual blows as they waited impatiently for the political games with Barabbas and this stranger to end. Every blow seemed to hurt worse as his fate drew nearer. Not that he hadn't deserved it. As the day drug on, the shouts of the mob, the increasingly violent attacks of the soldiers, the dark past consumed him more and more. He tried to block out the memories of it all, every vile thing that he had done. But with every memory he dismissed, another more gruesome and agonizing took its place. He was now face to face with a feeling that he had always been able to control. But now it was here. It was shame. He couldn't dismiss it. He couldn't reason it away or drown it out with the usual distractions. It was here to go along with the sure justice that was coming. As sickening as the thought of the cross was, the ceaseless plague of guilt and shame was even worse. As he topped the hill and glanced back over his shoulder, his eyes fell again to the silent man. What was it about this man they called Jesus that was so intriguing, so irresistible? A group of women offering laments broke through the jeering mob, and he broke his silence. Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, but weep for yourselves and for your children. A chill ran through his body at the stranger's words. They were so certain. This Jesus, so unlike anyone he had ever seen, even with all the most feared men that he'd ever met. But now the soldiers surrounded him, and his heart pounded as the nails came. He gave in to the pain as he was hoisted, and every sail protested every breath. Even the mocking couldn't distract him from the pain. He tried to focus on it to block the other sensations, but it seemed the soldiers were consumed with tormenting this Jesus. Why were they so obsessed with him? He was certainly the main attraction as they gambled for his clothes and taunted him. The longer he stared at this Jesus, the more he realized how very different he was. To the soldiers' abuse, he only answered, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. In contrast to his own hate and fear and seething wickedness, this silent, suffering one only showed mercy and love. Maybe that was why he said it. It happened so fast. In the midst of the soldiers' jeers, their fellow prisoner yelled furiously, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and save us. And instinctively, something burst inside, and the words angrily tumbled out, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. With that, he turned to find Jesus staring at him with patience. And could it actually be with love? The weight of his shame swallowing him, he pleaded, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And then he spoke. And his voice seemed to admit something tangible, an arm of love, as if Jesus were embracing him. His words wrapped around him, and he felt a glorious release of shame, or the glorious release of shame, as Jesus whispered, Assuredly, I say unto you today, you will be with me in paradise. You know, our lives are like this these thieves that were on this cross, I've, I've thought about this many times, that we're like one or the other because we are under a sentence that uh, is on this world. When Adam sinned and brought this curse on the world, 
There's nothing that you and I can do to escape it. And when these two thieves found themselves nailed to those crosses either side of Jesus, there was no escape at that point. And you would either be like one thief who was angry and bitter about it, or you may be like the one who realized he's the only hope I've got. And even in that place where he was nearing to the end of his life, he realized that Jesus is what he needed. And we must realize today that uh, because of the sin that has come on this world, the, you know, the thought for this is that we must realize the necessity. In other words, there's no escaping the fact. You don't get out of this world in the right manner unless you take advantage of the sacrifice that Jesus made. We must realize that redemption is available today, that salvation is available today, that God wants us to be washed and cleansed and filled with His Spirit. He wants us to be saved. And there's so many people today who either maybe they don't believe God or maybe there's a God or even if they believe in God, I'm all right just like I am. He is a God of love and why would He ever send a God of love? Why would He send people to to a place of fire and torment and hell? I don't believe God would do that. Everybody's going to heaven. But that is simply not what the scripture teaches. All the way through the book we find scriptures that remind us that we need something to save us. Uh, Even our opening scriptures that uh, the prophet speaking the words of the Lord. Come let us reason together. Though your sins be as scarlet uh, they can be white as snow. And though they're red like crimson they can be white like wool. They can be changed. And he's telling us there's got to be a change in your life. And that I want to help you understand. When you're reasoning with somebody. You're trying to get them to understand. That they need. Whatever you're offering. Or you're trying to get them to see. This is the right way. Or this is the right point of view. This is what's got to happen. And, and God's trying to help people to understand. He could just say. Hey look. It's my way or no way. And it is. He is the way. The truth and the life. And no man comes to the father but by him. There is no uh, other salvation. It's not given in any other name but the name of Jesus. He he is the only way to be saved. There is a plan of salvation to be born again. That's why Jesus uh, told this man, Don't be surprised. Marvel not if I said you must be born again. In other words, you cannot keep going the way you're going. I know that you're a leader in Israel. I know that you know what the prophets have written, but uh, you're, you're good. Brother Larry, I heard you preach a message years ago when your good's not good enough. And he preached from these scriptures about being born again. And, and as good as this man was, he still needed uh, salvation. He still needed to be saved. And he needed to realize that uh, he must take advantage of what is being offered And I'm so thankful today that somewhere, somehow, that I realized the goodness of God. You know, people are always talking about, well, that preachers only talk about God is ready to punish people. God's ready to take it out on people. God's ready to tear people up. But let me tell you, I'm telling you about a God that loves people. I'm going to tell you there's coming a time where judgment is coming and the wrath of God is coming on this world. but, But we are not appointed unto wrath. He didn't appoint us under wrath but to obtain salvation. It's not the Lord's will that any perish but that all would come to repentance. So I understand today that God is going to do what he's going to do. But I don't have to be a partaker of the wrath of God that comes on the children of disobedience. But I can acknowledge that I am a sinner. 
I know that the wages of sin are death. I know that the soul that sinneth it shall die, saith the Lord. There is scripture after scripture that lets me know I cannot continue in the way that I am. There's got to be a change. Ye must be born again. Unrighteousness cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Something's got to change. We cannot continue in sin. Shall we continue in sin that grace shall abound? God forbid. But Paul went on to tell us that we should be buried with him in baptism and then raised to walk in the newness of life. There is an escape route. There is something to get us out of here. There's something to help us dodge what's coming on those who will not accept it. I do not want to stand before him one day and him cut me to the left. I don't want to be part of those uh, people that are getting pushed off to the left. I want to hear him say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want to make sure that I realize today that in this story that God wrote, he realized that man would need a way out and God is the only answer. He's the only answer. We followed this story with Adam and Eve making their mistakes and, and doing the things they've done. And all through this time, you see people that some walked with God, some obeyed God, others did not. They, they would go from loving God to worshiping idols. And, and then uh, finally God gets a people and makes a covenant with Abraham and he has a people. And, and then they're locked up in uh, Egypt for 400 and some 30 years before God delivers them, brings them out, and Moses leads them into the wilderness. And, and there they get the commandments and they get the laws and they get a tabernacle. They get a tabernacle and they have a place and they have uh, things to observe the Passover now because there was a, even there in Egypt, God showed that there's a way out of slavery there's a way out of of bondage of this world and and he says put this blood of this lamb on the doorpost put it on on the side post and he said you make sure you stay under that blood of that door jesus was the lamb it was his blood and he's the door i better stay inside where the blood's been applied but then when it's time he brings them out and he, he tells them, he said, now that I've brought you out, you be holy because I'm holy. And, and they would do all right for a while, but then their flesh would get a hold of them. And they would let go again, and they would give up again, and they would fall into it again. They put a tabernacle up, and they begin to offer sacrifices and, 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 and offer offerings to roll the sin back and push it back. God has constantly let us know that, uh, that I am pursuing you. I'm trying to let my people know that there's a way out of sin. It's coming. It wasn't the, the very uh, image yet, but it was a type. It was a shadow. It was coming. Then they, they build a temple and continue these sacrifices. But then uh, God said in Jeremiah 31, he said, I've got something else coming. Their day is coming, saith the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke uh, though I was a husband to them, says the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my law in their minds, write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. God wants a relationship with his creation. It, but iniquity separates us from God. He knows that, so he's got to do something. No more shall they teach every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me from the least to the greatest, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin. I will remember no more. God's talking about a day that's coming. 
And then we know that an angel shows up to, to talk to this young virgin and tells her that she's going to have a child and it will be the child of the Holy Ghost. And, and, he, and he tells the, this uh, stepfather, don't worry about it, it's going to be all right. There's going to be a child and you're going to call his name Jesus because he's going to save his people from their sins. And, and he's going to be called Emmanuel, interpreted God with us. And we know that God was manifest in the flesh. God himself now has shown up to save his people. And then we can keep watching the, the script and watching the story unfold. And you see how that John the Baptist is, is preaching repentance and, and uh, telling people to turn from their sins. And one day he looks up and he sees Jesus, God in the flesh, walking down the road. And, and he cries out, Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. I indeed baptize you with water, but there's one coming after me who's mightier than I. And he's going to baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. He's crying out. He's telling people to repent. He's telling them to turn from their wicked ways. Who has warned you to flee from the wrath to come? That's what he, he's, who, who told you about what's going on? And he says, but you've got to bring forth fruits, meat for repentance. You've got to change your ways. And you've got to do what I'm doing right now, but there's coming a time when you're going to have to hear him. I've got to decrease, but he must increase. Jesus was now on the scene. And when you read, you know, just, I think sometimes, what if someone handed you simply the gospel of, of Matthew or Luke, Mark, Luke, or John and said, uh, look, you, you've never heard of Jesus, you've never heard, but you, you, they, they, they got confidence in you and you said, listen, this is a story and it's a true story. It's a, it's a story about a man named Jesus and I want you to read about him. And could you imagine reading about him being born and, and then reading about uh, his wisdom and uh, his miracles and, and how he was just bringing hope to people. He's healing sick people, raising people from the dead, feeding multitudes, having mercy and, and showing love to people, giving hope back. He's doing nothing but good. And you'd think, man, this guy is awesome. He is incredible. He don't fall for any traps. He's not doing anything wrong. He's just doing it right. And why do people don't, why don't they like him? And you just keep going and find out. Now they're trying to plan out how they can kill him. And now one of his closest followers has betrayed him. And now, now we find him you know, uh, in the garden and, and he's betrayed with a kiss. And they take him away. And you think, how can God let this perfect man that did nothing but good, how, how can he die? He's done miracle after miracle. It's because miracles are not going to save you. He's walked on water. That ain't going to save you. Uh-uh. He's fed multitudes. He's cast out devils. That, that's not what's going to save you. That's, uh, that's not it. He, he made a statement to this end was I born. There was something else that was coming. And we read in Isaiah uh, 53 and 5 where he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities and the chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, we are healed. He was going to have to bleed and suffer to redeem us. Or he could do miracles and help us. He could heal us and give us another day on this earth. But to save us from an eternity in hell, to save us from suffering where the devils and all his angels are going to be cast, to keep us out of that place of torment, he was going to have to die. Because he was a lamb and he was a sacrifice. And just looking at him, you know, he was spotless. 
So when he walked this earth, he was perfect. But he was going to have to die so we could live, so we could be set free, so we could make it, so we could be with him. And why are people just shaking their head like that doesn't matter? You know, on the day that he hung on that cross, they walked by and wagging their head. And if he was really the son of God, why didn't he come down? If he could do this and that, why don't he? If God really loved him, why is it God saved him? They just mocked him and jeered at him and talked about him. And today they do the same thing because you preach Christ and him crucified. I don't want to hear that. You talk about this loving Savior. I don't want to hear that. You talk about the goodness of God. I don't want to hear that. I'll make my own fortune. I'll make my own destiny. I'll make my own luck. No, you won't. Let me tell you, because something came on this world before you and I was ever around. And when Adam and Eve made their decisions, it brought it on to all men. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And the curse passed on to all of us. And the only way out from under that curse is the saving power of Jesus Christ and his blood shed and the Holy Ghost inside of us. In this world, better get a grasp. Because there ain't never been another perfect one walk this earth. It was him. In Jeremiah 2 and 22, uh, the, the writer told us, he said, you can uh, take cleanser and you can take much soap and you can wash yourself, but your iniquity will still be before the Lord. You can straighten up and, 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 and shave and clean up and dress right and that right. Don't cuss, don't drink, don't smoke. Do all those things. But it, that's not what's going to get you to heaven. It's going to be making uh, or taking part of the plan of salvation. The Bible says, how shall we escape if we neglect? If we neglect so great salvation. Well, I tell you, neglect is going to send a lot of people to hell. It ain't going to be the drugs and the alcohol and the lying and the stealing and the murdering. It's going to be neglect. Because all those things could be done away with if they would simply pay attention to what Jesus has offered. Oh, if they would simply take notice of what this Lamb of God did. The Bible says that with joy he endured the cross despising the shame. We've got to remember today that he saw something else besides the humility. He saw something else past the, the beatings and the pain and the mocking and the embarrassment, the humiliation that was going to come upon him. He said, I can take anything because it's going to save my creation. I'll do whatever it takes. I'll do what no other man can do or will ever be able to do because I am God. I created them. I'm going to save them. Isaiah told us when the Lord said it, he said, there's not another Savior beside me. Neither will there be one formed after me. Let me tell you, when, when that angel said, behold, there's born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord, he was letting them know that God has been manifest in the flesh. When that man held that little baby and looked, he said, "Woo! I can go on home now. Let me depart in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. I'm glad today to know that God didn't pass the buck, but he said, I'll do it. And he wrapped himself in a robe of flesh. He walked this earth, loved people, did miracles. And then he offered himself up a sacrifice on that cross. And I can't imagine what that man, that narrative was good. I can't imagine what that one thief, as he took up for the Lord, 
telling that other thief basically just you need to shut your mouth. He's innocent. And then to, could you imagine to then look and see Jesus staring at you? Crown of thorns on his head. Blood face marred, tore to pieces. Eyes swole, probably just about completely closed. He's hanging there, gasping for breath. But he gets out enough to where he can say, Today, I'm telling you, assuredly, you will be with me in paradise. Let me tell you, there's nothing like, I can't imagine what that man felt, but I, to have God speak right to your face and tell you, certainty, this is what's going to happen. I don't know how he felt, but I can tell you how I felt at an altar of repentance. I can tell you when the goodness of God came to me when hey, I might as well have been hanging on a cross. When I was caught in my sin. When, when I was red handed with the blood of my sin. And I knelt down at that cross and I began to tell him I'm sorry that I did this and God forgive me for living like this and confessing my faults to him. I won't do this anymore. I'll turn away. Honey let me tell you when I felt the power of God fall on me. Maybe it's what that man felt on that cross. But I knew that day with certainty that I was headed toward paradise. I knew without a doubt in my mind I knew I still looked the same I knew I still had some work to do and I knew I wasn't there yet but brother Larry I was on my way to paradise and I can tell you assuredly if you'll keep your eyes on on that cross if you'll keep your eyes on that savior you're going to make it into paradise one day you might not be there yet and there might be a little work to do but honey just keep on looking at Jesus keep your eyes on the cross keep your eyes on the savior we're headed somewhere I'm telling you there's a way out and I've never been more excited about it than I am today because every day that I live I realize that now is salvation closer than when we believed Every day that I take another breath, I realize that he could come today. He could come in the next minute. He could come in the next hour. I don't know, but I know what I'm planning on going. But how are we going to go if we hadn't made preparations? How are we going to go if we don't know him? How are we going to go with the weight of sin shackling us to this earth? Heaven and earth is going to pass away. Flesh and blood is going to pass away. All the things that people thought were important are going to pass away. Let me tell you, you can't get off the ground with the shackles of this world holding on to you. You can't get off this ground holding on to your own thoughts and your own ways. You, you got to let go and go the way he's going. It's going to take the Holy Ghost of God living inside of you. If that same spirit that raised Jesus up dwell inside of you, you ain't getting off this ground without the Holy Ghost. It ain't going to be good deeds. It ain't going to be about how much homeless people that we fed. It's not going to be about charity and all those things. Uh, All that's great. But it don't mean nothing without Jesus. There's a lot of people that are kind in this world. But they're atheists. Somebody says, well, I don't believe they can be kind. I beg to differ. I've worked with people that say, I don't believe there's a God. They'd give you the shirt off their back. They'll buy you lunch. They'll shake your hand. They'll talk to you. They'll try to encourage you if something bad goes on. But don't talk to them about God. They don't believe God. They just don't believe in being mean. Why is that so hard to imagine? 
Because see, whether they know it or not, they're created in God's image. And God is good. And sometimes people are good. But their good will never be good enough. Because there ain't no scale at the gate where your good deeds are weighed against your bad deeds. But I'll tell you what there is. There are books. There is a book that is the Lamb's book of life. And Jesus said this book's so important. He reminded those 70, don't rejoice over the wrong things. You're excited because even the devils were subject unto you through my name. You're excited because you were healing sick people and, and, and those kind of things. And that's great because these, these works need to be done. He said, but, but don't just get excited about the works. He said, rejoice rather that your name is written in that book of life. Honey, let me tell you, I want to make sure my name is written there. I want to make sure that my name is in that book. Because I'm telling you, there's going to be books opened and there's going to be deeds and things. And, and I know we're going to give an account for every idle word that we speak. But there's that one book that'll cancel out all of that. Have you obeyed the scripture? What God intended all along for us to be saved. He didn't create man with the intention of them being lost forever. He knows there'll be some. He knows there'll be those that'll, uh, he, he was despised and rejected by who? His own people. He came into his own and they knew him not. There were people that didn't even uh, have the, that right. One, one woman, he referred to her, he said, I, I can't give the children's meat to dogs. He, you know, there, there, was, there's, there was certain terminology that you think, wow. But even she had faith in him. He said, Woman, you, your great faith has, has made the difference. And, and her daughter was healed of, of that thing. And, 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 and so it, uh, we realize that it's not yet because it's to the Jew first. It's to, it's to my people first. And so he, they, he comes to the Jews and he preaches to the Jews and they kill him. Crucify him. I wonder how many people in the crowd that day were part of that multitude in the wilderness that ate of the fish and the loaves. I don't know who was in that crowd. You know, what, what I think about, I think, I wonder if people like Bartimaeus were in that crowd. You say, oh, not with a great miracle like he got. I've seen people today get great miracles, and they won't set foot in the house of God. I've seen God heal, heal diseases, get them out of jail, do all kind of things for them. You knew it was no way it had to be God. Never even turned back to thank him. So let me tell you, what happened today. Don't you think it was happening then? Yeah, wonder if that woman with the issue of blood was in that crowd. Because let me tell you, when people get swayed one way, it's easy to follow the crowd. But I'm going to tell you, there were people there who benefited from his ministry. Some of them probably drank of that, that water that was turned to wine at that wedding feast. Some of them probably uh, remember seeing uh, that, that man that was filled with a legion of devils. I, I remember when he come back to the city testifying what Jesus had done. And now... Crucify him. Well, you know what? They got to crucify him. Because that's the only way he's going to save all the ones that are shouting. That's the only way that that blood, you know, they, they made a statement. They said, let his blood be on us. Well, you know what? You better hope it is. <laughs> 
you better hope that blood is. One place in the, I think in the, in the book of Acts, they said, these men are preaching. They're trying to bring this, this Jesus. They're trying to bring his blood on us. That's exactly what the preacher's trying to do. He's trying to get the blood of Jesus applied to your life. Because let me tell you, we need it. We need the blood of Jesus because the blood of bulls and goats wouldn't work. It took that spotless lamb of God. And the Lord seeing that there's no escape for these people except me. I'm the only way out. And he wraps himself in flesh. And he walks. And he dies. But he didn't just die. He rose from the dead. As great as his life was and the many miracles he did, I'm sure there were people that saw things he did that they thought, I'll ne- and probably never did, I'll never forget that till the day I die. I watched Lazarus hop out of that tomb. I was there that day. He, I saw it, and he was dead. He, believe me, he was dead. When they rolled the stone back, you could smell it. He was dead. But all of a sudden, that stench went away, and he that was dead, according to Scripture, came out bound in grave clothes. I will never, I'm sure there was some screaming. There was some people, I'm sure somebody fainted, fell out, people were dropping. You know, we don't read that, but you've got to imagine. You've got to know. It'd just be like if you was at a viewing and whoever's there decided to sit up and say, what am I doing here? He'd be the only one in that room. <laughs> Besides the ones that have fell out. There'd be holes through the sheetrock, people going out the windows. I'm telling you. But all that is miraculous and wonderful and life-altering to some people as it was. It wasn't enough. And so it was awful that they took him, false witness against him, and beat him and mocked him and tore his body to, to shreds, killed him, pierced him in the side after he was dead. Just his body just ravaged. But they lay him in that tomb, and there were some words that he spoke. Destroy this temple. In three days I'll raise it up. When those women showed up at the tomb that morning and found that stone rolled away and those angels saying, hey, don't cry. Don't be afraid. We know who you're looking for. He's not here. But he has risen as he said. I'm thankful that he died. But if all he did was die, as Paul wrote, then our faith would be in vain and we would still be in our sin. But he didn't just die. He rose from the grave. He rose from the grave. And because he came back to life from death, he proved once and for all his deity, his power, and his complete authority over everything in heaven and in earth. That's why he could make the statement, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Ephesians 1 and 20 and 21 said, 
which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power, might and dominion, and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. He conquered it all. Then and now. Then and now. He said, not only in this age, he's writing this out, he's telling that church then, it works now, and after we're long gone, it's still going to work. That resurrection, that death, that burial, that resurrection, that gospel. People say, I believe in the gospel, but do they even know what it is? It's not just the story of his life, but it is his death and his burial and his resurrection. You cannot put too much emphasis on that. Jesus made the statement, to this end was I born. The whole reason for me showing up was to get here so that everybody else can get there. I've got to go here so they can get there. I've got to die so they can live. This is why. I didn't come just to do a few miracles. I didn't come just to show some people some wisdom. But I came to tell them about this sacrifice. Because he told them, I've got to suffer and die. And they'd be resurrected again. He told them, he said, the only sign you're going to see will be the sign of Jonah. Which Jonah, of course, was in the belly of the whale for those three days and three nights before he was cast out on the beach. And, and Jesus knew, I'll be in the heart of the earth for three as well. That'll be the sign. That's what you're going to, When you realize that tomb's empty, you'll, you'll understand, I am who I say I am. And many didn't know what to think, even those that were closest to him. Till he just materialized in the room. Peace be unto you. I still don't know how anybody was still in that room. But maybe there was something there so comforting that they knew they didn't have to run. I, I think as, as frightening as seeing somebody back from the dead, you know, uh, if it was Jesus, I think that that peace that passes understanding comes along with him. He said, I'm not going to give you peace as the world gives. He said, I'm going to give you my peace. And maybe him showing up, that prince of peace, when he spoke it, there wasn't nothing else. Peace be unto Maybe that's why he said peace. <laughs> and it just wasn't nothing else it could do. Everybody in the earshot, peace was on them. So they didn't run. They didn't. But still some, not sure of what to think. So he, he ate a little food in front of them, let them know it's me. You can handle me. You can see it's, it's me. I'm here. I'm back. I told you I would be. But he said, now you've got a job. You've got to go preach the gospel unto every creature. You've got to go preach to them and, and, and get them to believe. Tell them, you know, and when they believe, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. People who do not understand that redemption has been made available. That he died. When we preach the gospel, it's not just a, a, a neat story. Paul said, It is the power of God unto salvation to all them that believe. But see, it don't work for them that don't believe. It's the power of God unto salvation to them that believe. And so you can, you can stare it right in the face and it not affect you if you don't believe it. The Bible says in one place was the gospel not preached to them as well as unto us. It sure was. But it didn't profit them anything because it was not mixed with faith. 
So they heard the life-saving message. But it didn't do them any good because it didn't come with faith. And faith without works is dead. Faith without obedience is dead. We must obey the scripture. So the gospel is the death, burial, and resurrection. Repentance is when you die. That's when you're making the decision, I'm not going to live that life anymore. In other words, you're dying to that life. Burial is baptism, and we are buried with him in baptism. Baptism in Jesus' name. And then to be raised up to walk in newness of life. There is no new life without the Holy Ghost because you can't be holy without the Holy Ghost. I know that people can, can get baptized. I was. I was baptized, and it was a, a while after that before God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And, and you can do good. And you can behave yourself. And you can really love this and keep seeking, but you still got to be filled with the Holy Ghost. If I thought, well, I still feel good, I think that's good enough, I'd, I'd have quit seeking it. But I, was, I wouldn't stop until I was filled with the Holy Ghost. I wanted new birth. Jesus said we must be born of water and of the Spirit. And I'm just going to people say, well, I, you know, people throw that at us all the time when we talk about what Peter said. So they said, I'm just going to believe what Jesus said. Well, Jesus said, you must be born again. You must be born of water and spirit. So what, you tell me what he's talking about. He gave this man keys to the kingdom. And if you can't enter the kingdom without being born of water and spirit or see it without being born of water and spirit, what makes you think Peter was wrong? He was preaching what Jesus gave him. He was preaching the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. I'm thankful that redemption, honey, you can come to the music, has been made available today. And I'm thankful today for the goodness of God. It leads us to repentance. You know, you would think, I, I don't know, that when you're in a, in a bad shape, in a bad way, if you're in pain or suffering, you, you're looking for something a way out I was looking for a way out I, I, you know I, life didn't really offer much anymore I was you know miserable I hung out with my friends did things but I was inside I was just miserable you know uh, I, wasn't nothing happening that I just wasn't happy was, you know constantly just spending money didn't make me happy buying things didn't make me happy going places didn't make me happy just it was just all temporary stuff. It was God was getting me in a place. And, and I knew the kind of person that I was. And you can most, you know, for the most part, you can ignore that. Before, before Jesus, you can ignore it. Up to a point you can, like this thief said, you know, they were, he used to feel shame, but he could get involved in other things that would kind of get that out of his mind. And that's what I would do. I would just... I'd know I'd, I'd do things that I knew I shouldn't be doing, but I'd just involve myself with something else and, you know, just reason it away. But once you get into his presence, there's nowhere to send it. There ain't no, there's no rug to sweep it under. You ain't got a pocket deep enough to hide it in. They, there ain't nothing. The, the closet's open. The skeletons are tumbling out. That's it. When you're in his presence, there's no way to get away. You can't get around it. And there's no where to hide. There's no dark shadow because he's light. And when you get in his presence, there's no corner to hide in. There's nothing you can't hide. And so I just remember how good 
it felt when I felt his presence. It didn't change. I knew there was this, this like this split screen in my mind. Part of me's screaming, hide from him, and the other part saying, "Why can't you feel this love? Can't you feel this mercy?" And I'm telling you, when that night that God spoke to me so clearly, and I was sitting in that pew, and I remember leaning over. I have never cried so hard in my life. Just water. It wasn't like little tears. I mean, it was just like two faucets, <laughs> just pouring. And I was felt like something was trying to get out of my body. And I remember finding my way down when Brother Everhart, he said, I remember standing, he was standing behind this very pulpit. And he said, if anybody wants to pray tonight, won't you come down? And, and, the, and back in that, those days, the ladies prayed on this side and the men prayed over here. But I was sitting about where my sister's sitting. In the, and I come out and I just fell right in the middle. And all them women, I didn't know no better. Sometimes I think that's better because them women know how to pray, man, I tell you. But it wasn't long. I was surrounded. I was trembling under the power of God, praying and crying. I don't even know what all I was saying, but all I could feel was the love of God. And I could hear my pastor's wife praying and people just, you know, you just hear people, nobody... There was no, nothing ugly being said. And, you know, I felt like I was so exposed, but it was just... God loves you. Come on, brother. God loves you. He, it's the Lord. He's, he's reaching for you. He, you know, and just Everything was just pushing me. Come on, grab a hold of it. It's here. And I remember that night, I, I, I just said, God, whatever this is, I don't want it to ever go away. I don't want to be back in the world in two weeks, whatever. I just, I got, here it is. I'm, I'm done with that life. If you'll help me and, he answered the first prayer I ever prayed because I never have even considered it, never desired it to go back. But I grabbed Brother Ebhart. I said, I want to get baptized. He said, all right. He said, when you want to do it? I said, tonight, right now, ice cold baptistry, no heater in it. January the 13th, it was cold. I didn't have any extra clothes, didn't have anything. I put on somebody's jeans that were way too big for me and way too short. And somebody's old dress shirt that was hanging back there, and it's probably his. And I put it on, the sleeves come up about right there. You know, just me and me and my pastor went into that water. And I can remember the way that ice water felt when it went over me. You just don't know unless you experience it. And it wasn't just the new joy that came in. It was the shame that left. The weight that was gone. And just like I got something filthy off of me and I felt so clean and new. It was, yeah, I was happy, but it, was that, it wasn't like, because I'd, I'd had some the feelings of happiness before when I was living in the world but this was different because now that other stuff I, it was gone we buried it I left an old man in the water and a new man stepped out and I'm going to tell you that's what it takes to be saved repentance baptism in Jesus name and being filled with the Holy Ghost you've got to have the blood of Jesus applied if you're going to be saved.
Let's stand together this morning and lift our hands and let's thank God today. Ah, thank you, Jesus. Maybe it's been a while since you reflected on your conversion. Maybe it's been a while since you thought back to when Jesus changed your life. Well, why don't go ahead and just thank him for it now. Take your mind back to that day. Remember, hallelujah. Oh, just remember how good it was. Just remember how good it was when Jesus washed your sins away. Maybe it's been many, many years. But it's still just as good as it ever was. Hallelujah. Oh, we praise you this house this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for the joy of your salvation. Thank you, God. Let's give him a hand clap and shout a praise in this house this morning. Hallelujah. 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 We give him all the praise and glory. Hallelujah. I'll tell you, I could just, I could just get down and just worship for hours now. You need to go back and, and revisit that day in your life. And if you hadn't experienced that day in your life, you need to get that on the calendar. Because that, that, that's the most important day. I'm telling you, as wonderful as the day you get engaged, the day you get married, the day your kids are born, ain't nothing like it. But there'll never be a day that will top the day that you and Jesus got it right. Ain't nothing ever can even compare to the day that you and Jesus made that connection and now you know I'm on a journey I, assuredly I'm going to see him in paradise God's good to us don't you love the Lord praise God what a great God I know I got a little wound up for Sunday school but I can't help it hard to preach about the salvation of the Lord without that are getting a hold of you so let's take a few moments get you something to drink come back find a place to pray and let's get ready to have some church amen god bless you